Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome back to season three of the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And today we have an interview to inspire pet photographers paving their way. Welcome to season three, episode one of the Pet Photographers Podcast. Our guest today has been photographing pets for over 15 years, is a multi-award-winning accredited master of photography, author of three best-selling books, and the photographer behind the Amazing Dog is Love series. He's New Zealand's Portrait Photographer of the Year. It's Craig Bullock of Photography. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Craig. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a very brief introduction um, I suppose, as to who you are, Craig, but maybe you could tell us in your own words, um, you know, how you got started and, and when, because it's quite a while ago, and um, where you're at now, I Not suppose. to make you feel old. <laughs> no, so I mean, it, go. it does make, it does make uh, me feel old. I'm turning 40 this year, so. I worded um, that really badly, yeah, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, gosh, I'll, I'll try and keep a long story quite short, but um My first job after leaving school was um, in the local bird gardens. I grew up on the island of Guernsey, which is a tiny little piece of rock stock in between England and France. Um, The gardens closed down and I'd been doing a bit of photography to photograph the birds and thought, okay, what am I going to do now? I don't have a job at the bird gardens anymore. And I went to work in photographic retail and started working professionally on the side. Um, I very quickly realized that um, weddings and uh, portraiture of people was not why I was taking photos. It was really all about the animals. Um, So I started photographing my own pets and then friends started asking me and then, yes, sort of fell into it kind of accidentally. So that was in 1999 and by 2001 I was pets only. Um, So that's pretty much how it all came about. Yeah. And then how did you progress, I guess, into where you are today? Because now you're, are you an ambassador for Fuji? Is that right? Yeah, I am. I'm a a Fujifilm um, X series ambassador. Mm -hmm. um, Which we'll talk about that later, I think, um, in a little bit anyway. Yeah. Okay. We can, yeah, definitely. It's um, something I'm really enjoying doing with them. Um, But yeah, it, it was, um, it was it was um, quite a different thing back then, I guess, and not many people were doing it. So I used to always get a, a what photographer? Or you do what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, that's um, interesting sort of thing. Um, and then that's in, the way slowly. <laughs> um, and then in two thousand and nine, um, I think, if my memory's right, yeah, two thousand and nine, um, my husband and I. We weren't married then, but um, we moved to New Zealand. So I kind of started from scratch with the business again, um, really just as I was kind of establishing myself on Guernsey. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we moved here, started again, and that's when I changed my business name to photography. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah, a, a fresh start and a, a chance to kind of – review what I was doing and and go from there and then we had um we had the earthquakes um 
in September 2010, a big series of earthquakes started that um, really destroyed the city. Um, lots of people died in an aftershock in February of 2011. Um, and, and that kind of um, brought on lots of um, clients contacting me, telling me things about their do- what their dogs had gone through during the earthquakes. Mm. Um and lots of people were also contacting me saying, am I able to put something on my social media about this dog or this cat that is missing? And I'm trying everything I can to find my pets again. Um, and that kind of inspired me to take on the, the Quake Dogs project, um, which was my first book. So in, in the book, there are a sort of 50 or 60 stories about what dogs went through during the earthquakes from lost dogs um, the search and rescue dogs, uh, police dogs, um, all the all those kind of um, working dogs that were were helping out in the earth, earthquakes and and um, yeah, and then it just kind of went from there. Uh, it did really well. Then I followed up with Quake Cats, um, which did just as well as Quake Dogs, and both of those books now have raised nearly forty thousand dollars for charity. That's amazing because um, the charities were just inundated with animals and it was just absolute madness at the time um and then yeah and then my third book happened and I spent a year traveling New Zealand photographing dogs for that which is um, a dog's life and yeah it just kept getting better and better and better from there and business was growing and um yeah it's it's been amazing and um yeah I've despite all the the um stress and difficulties through the earthquakes I absolutely love living in New Zealand so when were the quakes and when did you move there? Uh, they, we moved in August 2009 mm. and the quakes started in September 2010. Um, so you so weren't we, there long? No, we hadn't been, been here long and and they they started and and of course all our family in the UK was, you know, oh, you should move yeah. back, it's not safe there. Mm. Um, and, you know, it it was quite a, a terrifying experience really it was you know there there was two particular earthquakes um where I genuinely thought that that was it that my life was done um but um but I never really once thought I couldn't be in New Zealand anymore I, I, I love it here um I didn't really think that going back to my life in Guernsey was was the best idea for for myself and Chris, and um, and you know you just don't know what's going to happen in life. It, you know I could move back to Guernsey tomorrow and you know die in a bus accident yeah. or you know it's, there's <laughs> always something that you can't you can't stop nature. Um, you can't stop what's happening, and uh, and fate is gonna throw at me what it throws and I'll deal with it I think and and that's the way I I've always sort of thought about it I guess um yeah I love yeah. that mindset yeah. um and it I mean something really beautiful for you if I mean I mean not obviously we'd wish the quakes hadn't happened <laughs> yeah, but, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's something so beautiful for you has come though I've read um I haven't read Quake Dogs. I'd love to read it. Um, I'll have to get myself a copy. But it, the reviews and everything just say it's like such a heart, heartwarming story. I find it really interesting that you partnered with a writer to do it. How was sort of that 
experience? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I've I've never written before, although I've I kind mm-hmm. of always wanted to. Um, and then then Laura and I kind of found each other. Um, and it was it was pretty good. We did have a few um, few issues to iron out. Um, mm-hmm. join the process so we we'd never met each other we didn't know each other um so occasionally there were differences of opinions to to resolve I right. felt much more confident I guess with somebody doing the writing although I actually did end up doing a bit of writing for it myself so I could yeah focus on the imagery and you know I am a photographer and I kind of wanted to be a photographer and wanted to be known as a photographer um so that kind of suited me quite well mm-hmm. what um what kind of happened in reality is that um the the author on the book cover is Laura with photography by Craig so yeah. pretty much that excluded me from everything i was not invited onto the tv interviews or or anything really? because um because the press only want to talk to the author so in <sighs> hindsight um I, I wish we in a way i wish we had kept the joint authorship, which is what we were going to mm-hmm. do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually changed it on the very final draft before it went to print to say written by Laura with photography by Craig. Um, it's very interesting how, um, how that happens. It happened to me as well when I did Tales of Gippsland and suddenly a TV crew rocked up, like a news crew rocked up to, I don't know, it was very weird. I didn't invite them. And uh, <laughs> at the opening, and straight away they asked me, like, oh, so who's the author? I said, uh, it's a photography book. That, that would be me. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm like, yeah. it's a photography book. They're like, yeah, so who's the author? I'm like, well, I'm the photographer. And they're just like, yeah. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Surprised. They just don't. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it seems fine, kind of weird for a photography book for them to be so so concerned about the the author and mm. um, yeah. I suppose um, they don't know what else to ask. Maybe I, I guess so. And it, and it, and and I guess that is the thing that you have to remember is that maybe they don't know how or what to ask. But mm-hmm. um, otherwise, it, it can feel kind of disrespectful, I guess. But um, but yeah. So so that was that was Quake Dogs, and then Laura's passion really lied with dogs, and so when. Uh, we kind of joked or I kind of joked with the publishers about, oh, if, if Quake Dogs is a success, then uh, we'll have to do Quake Cats next. And, you know, and mm-hmm. then it turns into the joke running down the line of every kind of animal you can think <laughs> of. And um, and we actually had some really amazing sto- stories about uh, other animals, some like farm animals and um, the turtle rescue who who saved lots of um, turtles from the rivers. Who oh, were, wow. the, the rivers were all really badly polluted and stuff with the um, liquefaction that comes up from the ground and all of those things so we did actually have some some really good other animal stories but i i really wanted to do quake cats um and my, and my own cats had had a, a good story so i guess from that point of view mm-hmm. like i really wanted to do it um but then quake dogs did well and they did say actually are you serious about doing it and and laura declined because because dogs are her passion and she's not a cat person i guess and <laughs> and i didn't want to miss the opportunity to do that so i said right well i'll write it so I kind of had to repitch the whole book mm-hmm. process and, and go back to the publishers like they'd never worked with me before because they wanted to see my writing. And even though I did a bit of writing for Quake Dogs, I wrote I wrote a few of the stories, five or six of the stories, and I wrote the introduction in there. Um, you know, again, I guess in their minds, like Laura is listed as the author, so they want to kind of see what 
what mm-hmm. I, I could do. And, and I did that. I wrote, I wrote a couple of stories and, and they were happy with what I'd written and, and gave me the go ahead. So, um, so, so with, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think um, we're going to ask with, the same question. They probably, <laughs> possibly. Um, with Quake Dogs, did Penguin, is it Penguin the publisher? Uh, yeah, it was, well, it was Random House then, but it's Penguin right. Random House now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did they approach you and Laura or did you and Laura approach no, the publishers? No, we pitched to every publisher in New Zealand mm-hmm. that we could possibly find. Yeah. Um, and everybody said no, including Random House. Um, so um, so we were a bit sort of disheartened, I guess, by that. Mm-hmm. But we thought, you know, well, we still think that there's a, a worthy book here so we were starting to look at Mm self-publishing and then we totally at random got a call from from the the lady who became our editor um jenny at at random house and she introduced herself and and said look um i know that we've said no already but um i was on holiday when this project came to the desk and um if you haven't already found somebody i'd really like to do it i think it would be a great great project to do so brilliant so yeah so we ended up um we ended up having having a deal with random house yeah was um pretty exciting would you be happy to talk about the details of that um craig yeah i'm happy to, to talk about that absolutely Yep, so um, maybe walk us through the process of getting published because I know Caitlin's like the queen of self-publishing. Um, yeah, and I yeah. find it really interesting hearing the other side. Yeah, And I've got some kind of book ideas in my mind at the moment and, and I'm thinking actually um, I might try and do some self-publishing with mm-hmm. my next project just to just to experience the difference, I guess, and yeah. see, see you how should. it all It'd comes be, together. It- um, fun to do both. Yeah, yeah. So it, it will be definitely interesting. But um, but for us, um, so what happened? We said yes. Um, we negotiated the contract with them. So they send all the contract through. Um, and so is that um, mostly focused on the money side of it, or it's also like um, distribution? It's all, yeah, distribution, um, copyright, and all of that sort of thing. Um, now, one of the things that I was really kind of adamant with is retaining my image rights because I don't mm-hmm. really, I don't really ever give my copyright away. I don't think there's really any need for photographers to give copyright away, as long as you can have a license or a, an, a, a contract or an agreement where um, where they can use the images for what they want to, then you don't need to give your copyright to anybody. Um, and that, that is, is one thing. Um, that is one thing that they they had in the contract is that they would own the rights not only to the images that were in the book, but all images from the sessions that mm. I presented to them. So, um, and they could do basically whatever they wanted. Um, and and they were really good about it actually. And when I said, look, um, I'll give you licensing. Um, to the images, but um, you're not having the copyright. Um, they were they were quite happy. They they changed the contract without much of an issue, and and so basically, what we ended up with was uh, a deal where anything in the book was jointly licensed between myself and Random House, mm-hmm. and anything that I had shot that didn't go into the book was just mine. Um, That's brilliant. So um, so that turned out pretty well. 
So, yeah, so from there, we had a really short deadline, obviously, because it's a kind of a time-sensitive project, yeah. I suppose. So we had to, at that point, find, photograph, and write the stories for at least 50 dogs. Um, so in Ooh. four months. <laughs> um, it was pretty intense, and, um, and you know, there's some – some images and some stories where, you know, I wish we could have had more time when I look back at it. And, you know, I, I was, I just had to shoot when I had to shoot. I couldn't, um, I couldn't do what I did do with private clients and say, Hey, we're going to shoot at the golden hour and it's going to be awesome. And Mm -hmm. if it's raining, we'll reschedule. It's like, Nope, it's midday. It's bright sunshine. There's not a cloud in the sky and we're in this big open field and I have to make it work. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that was, that was a challenge. Um, definitely from a, from a photographic point of view when we were doing it. Um, Although I'm sure doing something like that makes you a better photographer in the long term too. I think too. so. Like uh, look at some of the images in there now and it's, you know, it's six years ago almost and I yeah. go, oh, <laughs> really? Which, you know, we, we do, we definitely all do that. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, um, it definitely kind of made me think outside my comfort zone and, and push me a little bit bit harder than than I normally would have done, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that was that was kind of the image rights and that sort of thing. And then yeah, then the great thing that I really have enjoyed actually working with a publisher is, um, as you'll know from doing books, um, the time that's involved. Mm. Um, so working with a publishing house, um, is great because they bring your vision to life really. Uh, and they, they worked so close. Their design team worked really closely with us to, to get everything exactly how we wanted it to look. We had, you know, a final say on pretty much everything. The only thing that they, they didn't really give you an input with is the cover design. Mm-hmm. Um, they have meetings after meetings after meetings and they test run all these different covers and they show people and gauge their responses and this whole almost scientific process into choosing what image is the cover image um, for the book. So so we didn't have an input on that, but, I mean, what they've done with all the covers of the books I've, I've loved anyway. Um, yeah, and it was really nice and simple. It was straightforward. They used everything. I think in the whole process of doing the three books, there is only one image that I really wanted in the books that they said no to, mm-hmm. um, which I was really disappointed with. Um, but, you know, out of three books, just one image that they, they didn't want to publish is, you know, it's it's no big deal. It's not really. bad, yeah. yeah. How do you go, like, so I guess – Caitlin and I both have experience with self-publishing where we make the money from the clients. They buy the images from us, um, but not really much money from the books. Are you also selling images to clients or these, there weren't really clients, right? So your money must come from yeah. publishing. Yeah, so they, they weren't clients really. Um, so we I didn't do any kind of sales process with them or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, yeah, the, the money comes from the publisher, yeah. so they pay out royalties. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm quite I'm quite happy to sort of go through the kind of process of yeah, that. Yeah, that's um, so, super interesting to us if you're um, happy to share that. Yeah, so the, the royalties um, 
it's it's kind of complicated, so I won't go into like heaps of detail. But basically, um, it was fifteen percent royalties on yep. the on the um, wholesale price, so not the retail price. Okay. Um, and then, of course, that was split between myself, Laura, and the charity. So, um, uh, so that was Quake Dogs, and then. Quake Cats was split between myself and the charity, and then I did a dog's life, and I, I um I kept the royalties for that myself. Yeah, no You've got to make some money sometimes, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess um I guess people might think that fifteen percent doesn't sound like a lot, but also with a publisher, I guess you you know, they're doing all the marketing as well. They're getting you yeah. on the TV, on the radio. They're putting you advertising in print. They're doing all this social media activity to promote the books and, um, and they get them into all the bookstores. So, mm-hmm. um, so like for, um, for, well, Quake Dogs and Quake Cats have sold fairly equal numbers. Um, we've, I've, we've sold 16,000 copies of each. Wow. And Quake Virtualities are ongoing so they're, so they're ongoing. So as long as the books are still in print and they're still selling the the royalties uh, ongoing. Um, so what the what the general what the general gist of the royalty payments are, and I think it's pretty standard from what I've heard from other people, is that um, your first royalty payment they take a retainer out. So they took. Um, I can't remember the the percentage, but I'm kind of thinking in my head twenty five percent. So I think from your first rule, from my first royalty payments, they retain twenty five percent of whatever that is. Now, of course, normally your first payment is going to be your biggest as well because that's when the hype's around and the publicity and everything. So they retain that so that if your books are, uh, fails and it doesn't sell as well as they expected, they've got that to to recoup their losses if they need to. Yeah. So they actually keep that retainer for two years. Wow. Um, and then they pay you out the rest, and then you get a, a or I get a royalty payment every um, every six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's kind of kind of how that works. And then um, then there's all sorts of additional kind of options in the contract. So um, like again, we kind of made jokes about wouldn't it be funny if this happened? Wouldn't it be funny if that happened? Um, wouldn't it be funny if Quake Dogs got made into a TV series? And it didn't get made into a TV series, but we did actually sell the rights for it to be made into a TV series to a production company. Um, wow! So, um, so again, you know, the, those sort of things are in in the contract, and what happens if you know? And and I guess for um, for people who are writing. Uh, novels or things like that, then then it's maybe a little bit more likely. But it's like if you if you sell the rights to be made into a movie, if you sell the rights to be made into a musical, if it's a play, if it's this, if it's that, all these different things that could possibly happen as a result of your book, uh, and those things have a much higher percentage that they pay out um, okay. because obviously okay. the work on the book is done, and that's that's where the the bulk of the money to the publishers has gone. So when you're just getting those kind of additional extra things in, you get a much higher, higher um, percentage. 
So that was yeah. that. And then after Quake Dogs, based on the success of Quake Dogs, they kind of decided how they would go with Quake Cats. And I managed to negotiate a slightly higher commission rate. So it went from 15% to 17.5%, um, which I'm told is really good for the publishing industry. Um, yeah. And then I, I got the, the same kind of percentage rate when I did A Dog's Life as well. Um, yeah. And I would assume that beyond even like – royalties and all of that aside one of the biggest benefits of these dogs of the of the book sorry would be really establishing you pretty early yeah, on it, into moving into Christchurch as the pet photographer for definitely Christchurch and presumably most of New Zealand um what was the sort of marketing I guess implications for photography alongside the books it's it was good for that because obviously yeah. um, it was a really huge success. It had 10 weeks at number one on the New Zealand bestsellers list. So everybody kind of knew who the books about the books and what the book was or had seen it or got a copy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really take advantage of it from a marketing point of view. Um, I wish I did take advantage of it more. Uh, and really kind of push the fact that, hey, I am a pet photographer and this is what I do, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, again, you know, in hindsight it's always good to, to say those things. But, yeah, I you, kind of – You're probably a bit burnt out to be fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, doing that and then going straight into Quake Cats and then mm-hmm. um, and then from Quake Cats going straight into A Dog's Life as well, like it is right. exhausting. So there was a whole kind of – two years really where I didn't really push myself to private clients at all because I was so busy on the books. And during the process of, um, of making a dog's life, I got sick as well. Um, I had, I had some kidney issues and, and at one point, uh, they were saying I'd have to have the, the kidney removed. Um, but fortunately I didn't, I just had a blockage that they could fix. And so I was in hospital less time, but it wasn't actually until after a dog's life that I kind of stopped and looked at the last two years of crazy book stuff and and really, um, really went, Oh wow. It kind of, that was pretty awesome. They did really well. Um, and yeah, it, it was just such an intense time where I'm just next shoot, next person, next town, Mm. next dog, next story, you know, that whole kind of, uh, repeating process of that, um, just really kind of made my my sort of tunnel make, vision. Make I your guess. kidney yeah. safe. Please <laughs> make, make a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah. So after after those, yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of people recognise the books, and I, I mm-hmm. still have clients all the time who go, "Oh, that was you." I've got that book yeah, at I've home and that. then, you know, they'll come back from their, for their image premiere after we've done the shoot and they'll bring their copies and ask me to sign them and everything, which Aww. is really sweet. Um, That's so great. Yeah, yeah. So these days where are you getting most of those clients from? Like what's your, I guess, number uh, one marketing yeah, strategy? I, well, I guess actually um, I suppose I'm quite lucky in that most of my clients come from referrals. Um. Yeah. It's not luck, Craig, but <laughs> well, I mean, it is hard work too. Yeah, but but yeah, a lot, a lot of um, a lot of, lot of referrals. Um, I mm-hmm. get, um, I do some events, and I always find for me, I am much better face to face, even though actually 
at the beginning of a day at an expo or something, I'm freaking out because I'm going to have to talk yeah. to all these strangers. <laughs> um, but, you know, then once you've talked to the first one, then the rest are just easy. And then I just don't yeah. stop talking for the whole day. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I do quite well with events. I wish there were more events that I could go to actually. But, oh, me but, too. Um, yeah. I do but, yeah. one a year yeah. and I'm like, that is enough. Although yeah, I do well, love the rush while I'm doing it, but I'm like, I did the Christchurch Pet Expo um, mm-hmm. for the last two years, and I mean it's not cheap to do those expos. Mm-hmm. And the and the first year in the two days I was there, um, I booked three clients, and all yeah. three of them had previously been in contact with me and had just seen right. me there and oh. went, "Okay, well now's the time yeah, okay. to do it." So that was really disappointing. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to do it last year, and I thought, oh, "Hang on, um, maybe I can make it worthwhile if I kind of change my." approach to it um so um actually i wanted to connect with as many local businesses as i could whilst i was there um so um because i I, my my commercial side of my business is growing quite quite massively as well so i'm getting a lot of commercial clients um and i really like to work with the local businesses too so my goal for the expo this year was to to connect with as many of those as possible so um at my like at my image premieres we have chocolate brownies that my husband makes he's a pastry chef um and they're absolutely delicious so we made chocolate brownies and put them in little boxes and i i took a letter with a deal and spoke and connected to as many local businesses as i could and i booked um i booked three commercial jobs from that small local ones um, but i somehow managed to book um 23 private clients as well so last year's pet expo was very good and i'm hoping that i can repeat that success again this year Mm. um so what else did you change um so i did a i did a deal um which i didn't the year before it was just you know my regular pricing and and nothing special so Mm -hmm. i did i did a, a discounted session with a um with a free or i shouldn't say free should i i should say complimentary um fine art print um so so they got that and and um i i was really worried about doing that because i'd never done a big discount before i'd never mm-hmm. done free prints um or anything like that so the whole kind of and it's such a fast paced thing that you're talking all the time and so i was really conscious that i needed to educate them about my business and my usual way of doing things as as quickly as i could in this situation so i was really careful about telling them this is the deal here this is how much it costs and if you're going to buy anything extra afterwards you're going to be spending at least a thousand dollars at the absolute minimum and um and so i knew that they had all been told that and I knew that they all understood that. And, and it turns out of those, um, of those sessions, which I've finished shooting now, um, only two of them actually took the, the free print and didn't buy anything extra. And my average sale f- through those sessions was just as good as my average sale normally is with, with, um, with regular clients as well. So great. yeah, it was really good. It worked really well. So uh, I'll do something similar this year, I think, and, and hope it goes, goes as well again. What I find really helpful at expos, not to be like, I've got advice for you, but I've got advice for you. Um, <laughs> if, you um, if you decide on like a set number that you're going to sell and have somewhere in your stall 
where you're marking that number down works yeah. really, really well. If, yeah, if you were like, we've got 30 because it's such a massive discount, so we can only offer it to 30 people. Yeah, create and it, it yeah it creates a sense of urgency, I suppose. And because I was thinking, because I I did it um I did it just at the expo. Mm-hmm. last year and I was thinking of doing something like that so it's pet expo weekend if you can't make it to the expo you can get the same deal um but there's only 20 of them or whatever so yeah. book them quick so so people can can book online one of those deals as well for the weekend and I, I thought that might yeah. be a, um an idea to to give it a go and see if that that's what I yeah. do that my one annual sale is at the same time as the yeah. expo for people that can't do it and then that yeah. way people aren't expecting you to be discounting all the time yeah and yeah I, I do do wonder that so I don't want to fall into the trap of I've got a special yeah. every, every couple of months or something so people just wait until I'm doing my next one or yeah yeah so when it um when it comes to your what, what did you call it a premiere image premiere yeah I love that name. Um, are you doing that? Do you have a showroom or a studio? Or where do you hold those? Um, I have them in my studio, which is mm-hmm. um, a standalone garage on my house. I converted it. Oh, it must be nearly two years ago now, I guess. Um, previously, I was in a, a studio space at a doggy daycare, but uh, I kind of more and more I was there, I kind of felt like it wasn't able to offer me the experience that I wanted to give to clients because, you know, there's 70 dogs in daycare and they're all barking and it's loud and it's a bit smelly. And um, so then I was like, okay, let's find somewhere else. And I priced up some studios. I weighed it kind of up and, and looked at how much to convert the garage, which we never put the car in anyway because we're far too lazy because the door's not automatic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um so yeah so it it worked out that for less than a year's rent at the at the next at the studio that I sort of found um I could convert my garage space and so now I just do everything in there perfect Um, awesome do you love working from home Yes, I do. I do. I I don't have to go out. (laughs) Uh, All I have to do is walk 20 metres to the bottom of the garden to get get into the studio. That's um, a pretty good commute. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) not too bad at all. So, so yeah, so we have have them in there. So it's just nice and simple. It's all white. Um, I've got the only really colour in there is my images on the wall. And I've got a massive um, TV that, um, that we put a slideshow of the images on. Um, while we're talking about that, I do want to get to the Fuji um, ambassador part as well. But just before then, I noticed on your website you offer three different types of sessions, I think it was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there was the like a mini session type thing, then a your, your popular one, which is a standard session, I guess, yeah. and then you've got an adventure session. Yes. So are you – Booking many of those? Of of the adventure sessions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not a huge part of my business, I guess. I do no. travel around a lot and do sessions. So, so the idea behind the adventure session was that I could – um, I will go and shoot anywhere in, in New Zealand. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a kind of a premium op- option, but you can decide – where you want to have it anywhere in the country and I'll, and the price of the session includes my travel. Um, 
But what, what I find is that I'll advertise I'm in Auckland or um, Queenstown or wherever it might be that I'm, I'm going or that I want to go and do some sessions at. And I, I end up not charging the, um, the adventure session fee because I find that if I can get, um, if I can get three shoots in one location over the course of a weekend or something, then um, my sale more than covers the cost of my travel yeah. and stuff. So they end up just paying my regular session fee. Mm-hmm. I have had a couple of people that want to do something a bit different. So they've, they've booked the adventure session as well. Um, but I guess, I guess the good thing with having it there is that people realize then when they see it, that I will travel anywhere in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so then they can get in touch and if they don't want to pay the extra, then I, I just say, Hey, well, if you don't want to pay that kind of price for the session up front, then how about either, um, you go on my waiting list till I come to a town near you, or you can maybe commute to somewhere that's closer to you. Yeah. But that you know, if somebody's if somebody's two hours outside of Auckland, for example, and I'm going to Auckland, then you know, most of the time those people are quite happy to come two hours into into Auckland and and have a session. And then yeah, yeah, with with um with that um then after the session, I guess it works kind of differently to what I offer to clients here because you know, they're not coming to the studio and experiencing that image premiere sort of thing. But again, what I'll do is if, if it's multiple clients in a city, then usually it's worth my while to go back um, two weeks later and have the image premiere in person in a cafe and take some samples with me. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, I definitely think that having being present at the sale definitely increases the sale and it's I mean it's nicer for the clients then as well I think yeah it's a better all-round experience but it definitely helps helps your pocket at the end of the day as well so just quickly on that Craig you mentioned um like when you're in Christchurch you've got your studio set up and whatever where people come to and this, this beautiful experience for the adventure sessions if you're traveling to somebody you'll often go back and meet them in a cafe. Yeah. Do you find there's a difference in your average sale between cafes and studio? No, not really, actually. I've had some amazing, amazing sales in cafes. Yeah. Um, and I get to eat even more cake, so it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, I just you've married the right person then by the sounds. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, I think. Yeah, and then if – so if it's just a one, one-off, one person, um, then I'll, I'll do it, like, live online. And so mm-hmm. we'll have a – I'll have a, um, a gallery slideshow online and we'll go through it and then immediately that we're done and done the sale, the gallery comes off because again, I don't, you know, I don't want people screenshotting and mm-hmm. all of that sort of thing as well. So we kind of still have that, the same process, but it's, you know, through a computer, I guess, yeah. but, um, but we still do the sale sessions. I don't ever just like leave a gallery and let people decide. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm always guiding them through the process and, and helping them decide what they want to want to do with the images yeah 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 I just wanted to bring that up quickly because we just spoke about it in our last members only episode and I was saying that my big takeaway for last year was that um I finally decided it doesn't actually matter where what space I'm in to sell from as long as I'm 
there and creating the same experience. And some of my biggest sales ever have been in the cafe. So yeah, yeah. Me. I mean, you can do it anywhere. Just yeah, wherever you can, just do it face to face. I think, um, and and even if it's face to face via the computer, I still think that's a huge help to the client. Yeah. I had um, I had one client last year, um, and and I I'd, I'd only mm-hmm. been in Auckland for less than a day and we did her session and so I didn't go back up for that one to do the image premiere we did it through the computer and um and it was a six thousand eight hundred dollar sale so being in front of people is a huge help and and I think um yeah I think that it's it's all part of the service that um professional photographers should be giving I guess is that we are the experts to our clients. We're the ones that advise. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I don't know, maybe it's slightly different because I, I've also worked in professional printing labs and that sort of thing. But, but that whole process is something that I really love to do with the client. And, and if they say, oh, I really love this image, but I don't know if I want to print it on acrylic or canvas, then I feel like I can just say, well, this one's going to look way better if you print it on acrylic for such and such a reason or or whatever and just those little bits of advice and just reassuring that the clients are making the right decisions and that sort of thing is is um is really good and and you know it's something that they they just don't have if you leave a gallery online for them and i mean yes i guess there's some successful um models around doing that but um yeah, I, I, I think it's just part of the service to, to, to give them that advice and, and help them make the decisions as well. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you there. I mean, you are the expert and I'm going to segue here. So let's segue expert <laughs> <laughs> into your work with Fujifilm X. So can you yeah, tell us a little yeah. bit nice about that? Segue. Nice segue. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I... I don't know. I've always been a fan of, of Fuji and back when I was shooting with film, I would always be shooting on Fuji film and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, um, but it would have been almost two years ago now, I guess that they, um, they approached me at the, um, New Zealand Institute of Professional Photography's yearly, um, conference, um, at in focus and, and asked if I would be, interested in in becoming a, an ex-photographer and at that point um I wasn't shooting on Fuji equipment I had my Canon 1DX and all my lenses and I had had an X-T1 which is a uh, which is the Fuji mirrorless which was their their first yes. kind of uh, foray into the sort of semi-pro mirrorless camera called kind of market and I, I really loved that, and I, I thought the lenses that they make are absolutely fantastic. But honestly, it was just not up to scratch with focusing speeds or anything like that for for dogs. And and um, mm-hmm. I mean, I got some lovely portraits, but you could forget about shooting any action or anything like that with it. So I used that as a travel camera, really. So I wasn't shooting with that. But um, I was super, super, super interested in the GFX when that was announced, which, um, which is their medium format, um, option. Um, so there's two, um, there's two GFXs on the market now. Um, and because I'd done some kind of fairly big commercial jobs and, um, 
I just wanted to push myself and push what I can give to my clients. I'd wanted to shoot medium format for ages, but, you know, cost Mm -hmm. is pretty prohibitive of investing in medium format gear. You didn't want to drop like 40 grand on a Hassie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't really want to do that Not you so know, much. when we, when, we're, uh, when we want to do other things and have a life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so when, when, the, when the Fuji um, came about, like the, the price brings it much more into the realms of possibility with, you yeah. know, you can, you can basically buy a medium format camera and lenses for, for what it costs you to set up a, a, a professional Canon or Nikon system with a, a 1DX or a D5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was into that a hundred percent and I wanted to try it out before I committed to spending any money because again you know mirrorless medium format focusing speed was a huge concern after the Um, XT1 yeah but um I guess uh, even more so now uh, well maybe not even more so because I was under absolutely no illusions that if I was going to shoot with a medium format camera it would be for the kind of more posed sort of thing Mm -hmm. the the more static work that I'm doing Mm -hmm. um, and not for shooting action because you know it's just not possible so yeah so I I tried it out and I was really impressed with the focusing speed actually for I, I also tried the um the Hasselblads, the, the mirrorless Hasselblad, um, and the the Fuji's focusing was much faster and absolutely completely usable for for dog shoots. So I did. I invested, and um, yeah, and they signed me up as an ex photographer. And I guess one of the things that I love with it is that. Um, they don't force you to say good things if you don't believe that they're true. They want your honest feedback, um, yeah. and and they you know they they encourage that. Um, they encourage it to be completely unbiased. And the other thing that I really loved is that they don't insist that you do all of your work using Fuji equipment. You can use whatever gear that you want to use. And I I was approached by um, by another company who who said, oh, we'd really love to have you as an ambassador, but you have to shoot all on our gear, and you can't ever be seen with anything else. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, because I like to play around and yeah. experiment. And for all the years I was working in, in photographic retail, I loved to play with all the different gear and see what was what and what was new and, and all the rest of it. So um, I didn't kind of really like the idea that I'd be restricted to never being seen in public with something else around my neck on my camera, on my, on my camera strap or whatever. So um, I really like that with Fuji. And um, it's been fantastic. Um, I, I had... Um, I had the opportunity to play with the new X-T3 um, a couple of months before it was um, announced to give them some feedback on that. Um, and, um, yeah, I've been been invited to a couple of launches and events and I've spoken for them at a couple of things. And, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. I'm really enjoying doing that with them. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this, uh, this new GFX can do next, which is their new um, 100 megapixel medium format camera. Um, although um i don't know about my hard drives on that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think my hard drives will like it i'm useless at culling and deleting images so um yeah yeah so what's the arrangement being an ambassador like you're speaking events and stuff like that or yeah um so they ask that you provide 
um, a couple of images a year that they mm-hmm. can use. Um, and yeah, they, um, they also ask, so the, they do some events and things like that. And, and they've just recently, when the XT3 was launched in New Zealand, they did a, a tour around, um, around the country with it. And, and so they just get, get you to go to those sort of events and, and talk about your experience with it. But, but really it's more about, they really encourage you to be speaking about you rather than saying, rather than kind of making you do like a Fuji sales pitch. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've, I've done a couple of events for them, um, in the last year or so and, um, just spoken about different projects I've worked on, uh, like my dog is love series, um, which I shot all of those images on the GFX. Um, you can tell too. I see. This is the conversation I've I've had with many, many, many photographers who all think that it's crazy that I'm shooting medium format. That um, that my clients will never tell the difference between a regular photo and a medium format photo, uh, and all of these things. And and all, all I can all I can say to that really is that first of all, I want to be the best that I can. In, mm-hmm. in, a, in every way possible, including the image quality that I can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to shoot that way and give clients that thing. But um, I think for, for photographers, we can talk like the technicalities of the bigger sensor and this and that and the other and all the details of shooting medium format and what the benefits are. Um, and, and a client's not going to understand that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that, when I look at images, you get that kind of feeling and you kind of know that it was shot on, on a medium format camera because there is a visible difference. Yeah. So um, a client might not be able to put it into words, but I hope that, that, that my clients can see that too. And, and I do, I have had several comments on images since I've been using it on client sessions about, um, you know, they've never seen uh, Never seen photos that look like that, yeah. Um, and fur that's like you can reach in and touch it, and that sort of thing. And and so I think that it 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 does, and I think clients do notice the difference. Um, the downside of using medium format that I found is um, you nail it, or it's a total total throwaway. You can't uh, you can't uh-huh. fudge an image when it's just in focus. You know, if it's <laughs> if it's if it's in focus, it's amazing. If it's even slightly out of focus, it looks horrific. You can't save anything. Um, so, so yeah. So that's the that's the downside is that you have to. It's, have to it's much more precise. Yeah, it is. It is, <laughs> it is a more precise tool to use. That's for sure. So yeah. Now you mentioned dog is love, and I'm wearing. Yeah. I'm wearing us running out of time, and I really okay. want to talk about it because <laughs> yep. I just I. Um, so in love with your dog is love series. Thank Would you, you mind chatting to us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's oh, I've been I've been so grateful for the response I've had to it because um, it, everybody's been so positive. But but I had this idea in my head for a long time, uh, and last year I finally um, I finally started creating the images, and and I'm hoping that will be an ongoing project. But but basically, um, it, it's. It's a celebration of love and diversity, and it's just um, it's just really there to say that it doesn't matter what you look like, who you are, who you love, 
love is what matters. And I think that that's something that dogs give to us all. They don't care what you look like or who you are. They just love unconditionally. And, um, and I wish that more people could be like that too. So I, I've created these images and they're very loosely styled like a couple's or kind of a wedding shoot. And there's there are some kind of accessories involved, but I didn't want to go like all out and over the top and put them in wedding dresses and, you know, things like that. So, so there's an image where there's just some graffiti being thrown. And I've done them all in doorways to give it that kind of feel like um, – you know, they, they've just come out of the ceremony where they've had their mm-hmm. commitment or wedding or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, um, so I've, I've subtly kind of styled them like that just so that you get that kind of extra feeling that these, these dogs really love each other. And, and, um, yeah, the, the dogs I found are from a real diverse mix that again shows that, love is love and so I've got uh, two boy dogs I've got two girl dogs I've got a black dog and a white dog I've got a dog with three legs um I've got old dogs I've got just all sorts I've got I've got a pair of Afghan hounds which I wanted to I was that was the image I was most worried about because I didn't want to cause like controversy and um all that but I wanted to kind of bring in some kind of religious element so Mm -hmm. I thought the Afghan hounds who were wearing headscarves is a, a subtle way to to do that as well um yeah so there's a a huge mix um of dogs I've got um I've got a staffy because I really wanted to show that as well, that, you know, staffies are all the, all the staffies and, you know, pit bulls and that sort of thing that I work with, are, you know, they're not scary and horrible and nasty like people say they are. Um, they're just as loving and, and everything as, as everybody else. So, so I've got, I've got some of those. And um, my favorites, um, the Lulu and Pepe, Pepe one. Oh uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Chihuahuas. I, yeah, that's so cute. And yeah. I love all your little captions and everything for it too. Yeah. So you, you've got the calendar and have you thought about doing a book? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you, I this did, could be what you self-published. <laughs> um, Look at us is, going full circle. <laughs> this is it. There you go. So this is my kind of my thinking is that um, so I, I originally launched, I think, with 10 images. I've now got Mm, 14 um Mm -hmm. i'd like to shoot at least one every month for the for the next kind of however long Mm -hmm. Uh, and um and just keep that collection of images growing so i did um i did do a calendar and um some badges and buttons and some greetings cards um so, so those are, uh, again, it's kind of like a fundraising thing. So, mm-hmm. so half of the proceeds are going to rainbow youth and half, I was choosing a different dog related charity each month with, with the kind of a busy period with the calendars being sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, I would like to continue shooting and eventually potentially end up with another book project, um, to, to work on as well. Um, and are you we'll treat, treating and, uh, each of these sessions like regular sessions as well or you're just shooting <laughs> for the project no no I probably should um <laughs> um so maybe as I get more into it but really mm-hmm. um really 
it was important to me to choose the right dogs that certainly yeah. that that fitted with the initial kind of list of of what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um and what I wanted to represent with the images so so those those ones have all just been model calls so when you do the model calls Craig are they through social media or yeah so I do it through social media and for this one I was absolutely overwhelmed with people I had um I had well over 300 people email me Wow. Um, normally That's, if I do a model geez. call, I'll get 30 to 50 emails, which is more than enough to go through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they just kept coming and coming and coming for this. And I, so That's beautiful really that people are so excited to be involved yeah that's it it's amazing and so I have got lots that I can I can go back to and and get them in and um and and work on the extra images for those and um and I guess I guess going forwards I'll I might be a little bit more selective of of the dogs I choose that again that I can tell a story or or something with and I don't want to end up with a collection of images that are just um pictures of two dogs together sort of thing yeah um, I also had to find enough locations because I don't want to double up on locations and stuff <laughs> yeah. as well and I want to kind of keep the doorway thing so um so yeah but uh, but hopefully um it will kind of result in a in a book um at the end of it so well I just yeah. think it's so beautiful to watch you thank you being able to I don't know, say something and do something with what you're so passionate about as yeah. well with pet photography and everything. It's been absolutely yeah. amazing. You made me it, cry it, when you first released them oh. when I was reading your thing. Like, oh God, I don't mean to amazing. make people cry, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I cry everything. But um, Well, yeah, to be yeah, fair, I, I do too. Um, this was really yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say but, anything. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that I could could put that out and that I've had such a good response from people to it and, and um, yeah, just just – spread some positivity around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fabulous, yeah. Craig. It really is. So for the listener who might want to check out that series and um, everything that you're doing actually, Craig, the best place would be your website? Yeah, my website or my Facebook page. So it's just um, photography.co.nz or um, Instagram is photography.nz and Facebook is just photography. All right, and I'll put a link to all of those in the um, show notes and a direct link to Doggy Love as well because I think if you haven't seen it, guys, go check it out. There's a full blog post on it and it's just beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting to us today, Craig. No problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. We'll, We'll chat to you soon, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the incredible Craig Bullock from Photography sharing so much with us. What an awesome way to start season three of the Pet Photographers Club. Happy New Year, guys, if you're listening to this at the start of the year. I mean, I know it's towards the end of January anyway, but I feel like you're allowed to say Happy New Year for the entirety of January. Um, We'd love to hear what you all have planned for your 2019 goals in your own pet photography businesses. If you haven't already, make sure that you sign up to the Hair of the Dog Pet Photography Online Summit. I'm sure you've seen loads of info about it going around. There are 16 different presenters, well over 10 hours of content, all different topics within the world of running your own pet photography business. It's never been done. Nothing like this has ever been done before. Both Kirsty and I are presenting classes. We're really, really excited. As this goes live, the summit will also be live, but you can still sign up because it's all online classes that you can watch whenever, wherever. So if you want to help support the club, you can use our affiliate link. Um, The short link is just bit.ly 
forward slash HOD, like hair of the dog um, summit, or there'll be a link in the show notes. So as always, if you want to head over to the show notes, just to get a little summary about this episode and our takeaways and links to Craig and photography, links to any special deals that we've got going on, all the good stuff. It's just the pet photographers club dot com forward slash podcast forward slash zero three zero one since we're in season three episode one we will be coming at you with a members only episode next week so stay tuned for that for our members we see you in the members group anyway so i'm sure we'll be chatting between now and then and yeah hope you guys have a fantastic 2019 i'm so excited about it um, and so excited to bring all of our interviews and upcoming guests and episodes and everything. We've got great things planned for the club, so bring it on. All right, bye for now.